all want to be out here running and you know we would do runs to get ice cream and then walk back and so it just it was like a very like chill introduction to running where it's like you know you're connecting with people that have a common interest but it was a very like fun low-key way to be introduced to the sport. Hello and welcome back to The Big Run. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy festive season. However you choose to celebrate this time of year, I hope you are having an enjoyable one and managing to get out and grab some miles. Today's conversation is perfect fuel for your morning preparations if you're heading out to Park Run. Apparently there are Park Runs happening on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day this year. If you are doing the double, I am intending to myself, hopefully, legs permitting, enjoy it. Today's guest caught up with The Big Run a couple of days ago via Boulder, Colorado, where she is spending her Christmas season. She's an American middle and long distance runner, the world record holder for the women's 4x1500 meters relay and holds the indoor 5000 meters American record. She's also an Olympian, placing 13th in the 5000 meters at the 2020 Olympic Games and also a two-time US national champion in the 5,000 meters, taking the title in 2021 and 2022. You probably figured out who it is by now, but I'm going to give you a couple more clues. She's a Barman Track Club member and a Nike athlete as well, and is wildly, wildly talented. In this conversation, we caught up about her plans for Christmas, reflecting on the year that's just been, looking ahead to 2023, and why sometimes you just got to chase the ice cream. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted to welcome Elise Cranny. So Elise, thank you so much for, for joining me on the on the big run. Now this episode, okay, full disclaimer, this episode is going to be going out on Christmas Eve, but we're not actually recording it on Christmas Eve. Like I think that would be slightly inhumane of me to ask you to do a podcast <laughs> the day before the day before Christmas. But considering that it is going to be going out uh, in a couple of days' time on Christmas Eve, like what does uh, what does Christmas Eve kind of look like for, for you, kind of traditionally? I'm in Boulder right now um, with my family, so I have two um younger sisters so it's nice um it's pretty rare that all three of us are in the same same place so mm-hmm. yeah usually christmas eve um let's see what does it look like well usually let's see usually on the 23rd we'll we do kind of like a little gathering at our house with like desserts and and cocktails mm-hmm. um so we'll get together with some family friends um have some people over and then christmas eve is usually pretty low key. We usually um, go to church as a family. And then I can't remember how long we've been doing this a long time. We've been going to uh, an Italian restaurant in Boulder called um, Pasta J's. So that's like our, our go to Christmas Eve. Um, They usually like decorate the restaurant all festive. And it's just this really cozy Italian place. So um, and then we'll usually come home and watch some sort of uh, Christmas movie. So that's kind of what Christmas Eve looks like. No, no podcast recording. But <laughs> um, we, we could always squeeze it in on Christmas Eve. There, there imagine, would probably be some time. <laughs> imagine, imagine the audacity, this cheeky English podcaster. Could you do it on Christmas Eve? No, I mean, I mean, that's that, that sounds dreamy. Go to Christmas movie. Is it, is it like a rerun thing or like, do you, do you like to keep it fresh? Like a, a new kind of Christmas movie or is it like Miracle on 34th street or is it, you know what I mean? Like a comfort Christmas movie. Yeah. Yeah. Usually it's a rerun. Um, um, 
my parents really like It's a Wonderful Life. Sometimes Elf is on there. And Mm -hmm. then my sister loves um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And Four Christmases, both of my sisters really like as well. So Four Christmases? What's that one? I'm not familiar with that one. Um, It's with um, Reese Witherspoon and... um, uh vince vaughn okay um, yeah and they go to like all their they go to four different christmases um they go to like both um sets of of parents so it's it's a very entertaining entertaining christmas movie they like it a lot it's pretty uh, funny i don't, don't worry listeners we are we are going to talk about running it somewhere shape or form i just imdb'd it lovers <laughs> brad and kate plan to go on vacation to fiji to spend the holidays however when their vacation plan is foiled they are forced to visit all four of their divorced parents for Christmas. Okay. Okay, <laughs> Vince Vaughn, Reese Witherspoon. Uh, John Favreau's in it. Okay. Oh, and Robert Duvall as well. All right, I'm going to have to add it to the uh, to the Christmas movie play- playlist for, for, this, for this year. I mean, speaking of this year that's just been, I mean, from a running point of view, I mean, I mean... How, how how has it been for you? I mean, how how has sort of 2022 played out? I mean... I feel like Christmas is often a time for for reflection and sort of for you to to look back over the year that's just been. It's funny actually. Just before I jumped on this call, BBC were doing their Sports Personality of the Year, which is again a huge reflection of kind of the year in sports. So yeah, how how's twenty twenty two been for you? Yeah, I always do like the time like after the season, but you know, as you said too, kind of in December too, just right before I came home um, to Boulder, I was just doing kind of some like writing of, you know, the season and like looking ahead to next year, which is always like a really, yeah, a really exciting time to kind of look at like what you would change, what would you do do differently, what went well. Um, So I would say 2022, yeah, it was a bit like up and down. I feel like um, started out really strong with um, an indoor 5k and the 10k and um, felt like I was in a really like good spot. I think coming off the Olympic year. Um, I think like running for the first time kind of at that global stage was really eye opening for me. Um, so I think, um, you know, after Tokyo, I feel like I really kind of doubled down and was like, okay, this is what it takes to like really be in the race and compete at this level. And I think that kind of elevated like my mindset most importantly, which I think, you know, translated over to, to training and racing. Mm. Um, So I think, um, but I think I also learned through that, like the importance of also keeping that, keeping that in check and keeping that kind of, I don't know, I think, um, you know, just as you talk about with the reflection piece, like sometimes it can make you, you know, really fired up. And I think that's something that, you Mm. know, I've had to work on over the years is almost like taming that fire a little bit (laughs) so that it's coming, coming out at the appropriate, appropriate time. Um, Because I think. Yeah, I think I just um, overdid it a little bit in in March, um, but then like really grateful that I was able to kind of take a step back and like turn things around um, to qualify for world champs and like having that, you know, on U.S. soil and Eugene was was really special. And then um, really grateful for all the racing experience that I got in Europe after um, just you know, yeah, like being traveling and being in in new places and being in a lot of different race situations, um, got to race 
um, a 3K, some 1500s and 800. So also fun to just like change up the distance and really kind of, yeah, like work on some like other skills and, and race tactics that um, in different distances and events. So yeah, sorry, that was kind of a long-winded answer no, to hey, your 2020 hey. reflection. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a, it was an expansive question and we are big fans of, of long-winded questions here on The Big Run. It's, <laughs> it's lovely to just to get your perspective on all of it. I mean, and so much to sort of take um, from that as a as a sort of receiver of that response and for the listeners as well. And I'm I'm curious to sort of track further back into that Olympic year and, and and pick up on what you were saying then about sort of you kind of being exposed to that to running at that kind of level at the kind of the top tier of the kind of the ultimate tier a, a, a global stage. But I mean, kind of rolling back to earlier in in this year. I mean, like you said, like in February, your five thousand meter indoor time. 1433 incredible time you know a, a pb a national record um and then you said that you slightly after you know after being exposed to the olympics you know the, the there was a fire that you sort of maybe you slightly overcooked it in 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 march i mean what what was that what was that journey for you like when did you know that you were perhaps maybe that you needed to temper that like you were saying that perhaps it was going it was leaning too much to to one direction yeah i think I think that's something that, yeah, has been kind of a steep learning curve for me, I'd say, especially um, in the professional running world, just because um, you kind of, I think in college, you know, having cross indoor and outdoor, there's like a bit kind of more like cycling of the seasons or, you know, more time in between seasons. Um, And so I think like having it's definitely been an adjustment for me kind of getting in that mindset. Like I'd say, especially in the fall of like, you know, you're, you're locked in, but not too locked in because, you know, I also think like not only physically, but just like you can't be mentally locked in for, Mm. you know, 10 months out of the year. Like, again, I think just. It's exhausting. It's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. And lead to burnout. And like, I don't know, I've found for myself, like, which I think, you know, I would say is probably the majority of people like, I run my best, you know, when I feel like very like energized and like joyful and excited about what I'm doing. Definitely not when I'm like, um, having such a tight grip on, on an outcome or like, yeah, forcing things for kind of so many months out of the year. So, um, I think when I really noticed it is probably like after that 10 K in March, I think, um, coming up just short of the national record, I think, um, I had the, the wrong response to that in terms of like, looking back, my response should have been like, Hey, um, you know, you just ran your fastest 5k and, and 10k ever. Like you're on the right track, you're doing the right thing. And instead I think, um, you know, being a second off the 10k national record instead, my, (laughs) What was the was, what was the unfiltered um, immediate response if you were able to place a microphone directly into your kind of neural <laughs> pathways? You know, moments after that you saw the time. I mean, does it contain language that perhaps you can't repeat on a podcast? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think I also think like it was something where it was honestly even worse. I feel like the like days or a couple weeks like 
afterwards when you kind of just like keep replaying the race mm. like so there's that like initial emotion after but you're also just like really tired and you're kind of just like okay like I gave it everything I had but then when you like go back and you like are dissecting the race and I like look at the splits and I'm like oh my gosh my second to last lap was like so much slower I'm like you could have mustered like a second in that lap or then I like remember talking to um to Jerry after and you know we were just kind of talking about like what we could have done in the race and he's like yeah like don't even like start by like breaking down a second over 25 laps because then you'll like just drive yourself absolutely mad so mm-hmm. I think it was something that like it almost like festered after when you start to just like replay in your head like okay that's just like a couple hard steps mm. is a second <laughs> um it's hard it's gotta yeah it's, it's gotta be hard though as well because i feel like that immediate moment you know the, the 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 direct kind of aftermath after after a race or result like that to sort of lean into maybe the not the negative but the kind of the frustration or the disappointment within the confines of like a short period of time i feel is is healthy but like you say it's to be able to then just switch that so that the the remaining weeks you don't have that kind of over analytical kind of I love that word you lose sort of use the the festering kind of mentalities is that something you're working on to be able to just you know sort of indulge in that one moment and then okay right n- new week new mentality I'm gonna I'm gonna refresh I'm gonna reset to 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 move past it yeah totally I mean I think that's what led to then me making like not very smart decisions right like I think that led to like okay I need to like dig my heels in the ground and like work harder Mm. um again instead of like hey like I'm on the right track and I think I think a lot of that comes with just like the comparison piece in this sport too right instead of like I'm working on that too kind of like taking a step back and of like okay that was again that was like a huge PR for me. And that was me maximizing what I had on that day. Um, and kind of separating that of like, okay, yes, the goal was to get this record, but also kind of separating and looking at the race, not in that context as well, I think is something that was like necessary. And I wish I would have done sooner in terms of like, okay. Um, again, it's so easy, I think to get caught up in like comparison or the times, but like that was, you know, the fastest I had ever run for that distance. Mm -hmm. And again, like focusing on like, okay, why am I doing this? Like trying to like maximize what I have. And that's where I was at on that given day. And like, yes, that stinks that that it wasn't the record. But I think kind of having that perspective of not letting kind of, I don't know, that the record take away from, I guess, yeah, like you're like, development as an athlete or skills that you're working on or like positives of the race um yeah I guess like you're saying kind of a more balanced (laughs) balanced reflection of the race we're kind of getting both of those Mm. those things and then not making an emotional kind of decision afterwards in terms of like I'm gonna train so much harder because I was you know, quote unquote, so far off, which is like, I think, you know, the, <laughs> which is crazy the, in hindsight, yeah, <laughs> which is I, I like laugh saying it out loud. Cause it, it, mm. it's like, sounds ridiculous, but I think that's what I think I know for myself that can be what happens to me when I do get too over analytical about it. Right. It's like, Oh, I have to like change or do something drastic instead of like, Hey, I was on the right, right path. And this mm. is, um, 
the best I've ever been able to run. Like maybe I'm doing things um, the right way, not like, yeah, oh my gosh, I need to like work way harder. Yeah. <laughs> that's usually not, that's usually not the response. <laughs> I know, but I think, uh, you know, all, all runners listening to this of all kind of all levels will think I, I can definitely chime to that. And by no means am I capable of running not even one second off the time, <laughs> like an hour <laughs> off the time of what you ran that, 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 that day. But like, I, I think it's all runners can relate to that feeling of like, wanting to double down in the, in the immediacy. It's like, uh, you know, booking into a, another marathon the day of the marathon that's gone, you know, badly for you, you know, you kind of want to hammer it again. And it's that time, which is, is so important. I think because reflection is, I think it's a really kind of key tenant that runners perhaps underutilize is that ability to reflect. Because if you look at all of these times and you know, look at your own extraordinary career, they're all just, brushstrokes on a much bigger canvas that you're building towards, which will be your kind of, you know, we're going to continue on that sort of loose metaphor that I'm coining slightly in the moment here, but that kind of your body of work, your kind of final work of art that you're creating for your legacy as, as a runner, or, you know, contains all of these brushstrokes of all these sort of previous incredible performances that you're, you're adding to it. And I, I think, you know, if anyone takes a, a look at the, the times and the performances that you've accrued so far would 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 agree with me. And if they don't, well, then you can at me in the comments or email me at thebigrunpodcast at gmail.com. But like tracking, tracking back then, and I'll, I'll come to the Olympics because I feel like that's that's an important thing to sort of reflect on. But like rolling all the way back, rolling all the way back. And one of the things you said earlier was, you know, running to be, to make running more joyful. I'm curious to know where the joy for running for you started. Like day one ground zero like the very beginnings of of this sport for you what was that like yeah I think um man I'd say probably um my first like I guess really like concrete memory is probably um when I first joined the cross-country team I'd done a little bit of track a few years before but I joined cross-country and um in eighth grade. And I think that's really where I feel like I first found that joy of running. I think, um, that team aspect like has always been something that's brought me a lot of joy. And I think mm. it goes back, um, to that, to being like introduced to just like, okay, you're running for something, um, you know, bigger than yourself and, you know, getting the like inspiration from, you know, when you're in the middle of the race and you're tired, but like you're t knowing that your teammates are are giving their all. I think mm. that was kind of my first introduction to, yeah, kind of like the team, I guess, team sport, team side of running. Um, and yeah, like we practice was just like really fun. And I think that's what it was. It's like, okay, you're getting together after school, um, you know, with a lot of your friends who are all, um, all want to be out here running and you know we would do runs to like get ice cream and then walk back and so it just it was like a very like chill introduction to running where it's like um you know you're connecting with people that have a common interest um but it was a very like fun low-key way to be introduced to the sport um while also kind of all being on a shared mission together which I think all of those things um I think have played like a big through line through throughout my career and like what I what I try to come back to and again the pieces that I think have still brought me a lot of meaning like the team the team aspect in college and you know even even now in the professional world mm, 
I love that sort of chasing that low key feeling of you know running for ice cream. If we could all kind of carry that mentality into into races or competitions or meets that carry a lot of weight and significance that perhaps we put on ourselves. Just yeah, imagine that you're running for a for the UK listeners a ninety nine with a flake. So going back, so eighth grade that's. So for the UK listeners, that's year nine. So that's like 13, 14 years old. Is that about right? Yeah. 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 13, 14 years old. So what was the progression then from you sort of moving forward? So I would say when I entered high school, um, I think um, having like coaches and mentors in high school, I think just totally changed the trajectory of my career. Um, I joined cross country, um, that first year with the high school and, um, Jason Hartman, who ended up, um, kind of coaching me through most of the rest of high school. He was, um, the assistant cross country coach. Um, and he actually, he had ran at the university of Oregon, um, ran marathons, um, for several years, um, after he graduated and he just, um, he just like basically I think introduced me to like probably my understanding of um the sport now kind of outside Mm. of that like that like ice cream first getting into it um sort of situation you know he really was like okay this um you know preparing for state and then um kind of introducing me to like national meets and opportunities, um, which I just wasn't aware of at the time. And I think, um, a big piece of that also, um, that I'm just eternally grateful for is, um, him seeing something in me before I saw it in myself. And I think I just like, can't stress that enough. I think it's so important for people to have, um, coaches growing up or just anyone in their corner who, um, you know, is that like voice of, like confidence and belief and support before you can kind of see the trajectory of, Mm. of maybe where you're like running or anything in life could take you. Um, yeah. So he was just, I feel like he was just like, you can do something really special in this sport. And again, I just think the power in, um, having someone say that before you feel like you've done anything to warrant that is, is like really big and a huge, huge motivating factor. And then, um, Mm. coach Mo, um, Maurice Henriquez, he was the track coach, um, my freshman year as well. And he also played a really big role, I think. in I was, I was still trying to decide if I was going to play, um, soccer, run track in the spring. And he, um, again, I think just helped me to see all the opportunities that would be available potentially like in college to run and beyond. Um, and he, um, was just really good at, um, really bringing the the team aspect to, to track. So I would say kind of both of them then kind of really like, I would say catapulted my, my love for running. And I think the rest of kind of my, my high school career. Are there any, are there any phrases from coach Mo or, or Jason that you sort of still hear rattling in your head today, you know, when you're competing or training, like anything that they would say, or, you know, sort of phrases that perhaps you pass on to, to other younger athletes that are moving through the sport? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. Um, man, I think, um, from Jason, he would tell me a lot, um, 
the quote was just like, be your best every day. And I think that was something that was really helpful. Just, um, trusting that there are like, you know, knowing that there are so many like ups and downs, I think that's even outside of running just in life in general. Um, you know, but again, all you can do is like the very best that you can do (laughs) every single day. Um, he also, I don't really have like a direct quote, but I think he was someone that, um, really tried to instill in me just the importance of, um, of celebrating when you reach certain goals or milestones, even if it's like not quite where you want to be. Um, he was, um, that was a big, um, thing that I learned from him. And then, um, coach Mo was really big on, um, attitude, you know, just like you can't control, um, a lot of things, but you can always control your attitude and your effort. And again, I think, that was really helpful for me and something that, that I still come back to. Um, because I think, you know, as you were saying, like at a lot of big races, like, or certain situations, it can feel like, you know, a lot could be out of your control, like the weather or who's in the race or how the race is going. And so I think that's something that I still come back to a lot is like, you know, it doesn't really matter how the race goes. Like you just want to finish knowing that you, um, yeah, I guess to connect the two, like you, you were your best on that day and, you know, you had, um, the right attitude going into it and you, you know, gave everything you had. And I think that's something that keeps me really grounded. And I try to come back to, um, cause then I think it makes, um, I don't know, like the nerves are still there cause it's something that you, you care about, but I feel like I, yeah, I'm more grounded and have more control over like, okay, I don't need to know how the race is going to play out or who's going to be in it. Cause I'm going to ultimately have control over, you know, just trying to squeeze every ounce of potential out of, out of myself in this race, regardless of, um, yeah, kind of how it plays out or what race it is. Love that. Shout out to Jason and Mo. Oh, rocket fuel <laughs> those, but rocket fuel for inspiration. Those two, those two sentiments. And thank you. Thank you for sharing them. I'm curious then you, when you were talking first about Jason, you were saying that he saw something in you that perhaps you hadn't seen yourself. What was there a moment like, as you kind of progressed, you know, going to, going to college, going to university, or maybe even before that, or maybe after that, like where you started to see it for yourself, where you started to sort of take ownership of what they'd initially sort of seen in you and thought, Oh, okay. I kind of see what they were talking about. Yeah. I actually have, like one very defining moment. Mm. And I was just talking to my mom about this today because, um, I was like, it's crazy. Um, I was talking about wanting to go back to the armory in New York to race. And, Mm. um, I would say my breakout, um, when I feel like I've like really saw that was my junior year of high school. Um, when I, so I hadn't broken five minutes in the mile and I never run indoor track before. And Jason entered me in this race at the air force Academy in Colorado Springs. Um, and it's at, um, it's up at altitude. Um, and that was the first time I broke five in the mile. I ran like four fifty eight. Um, and then he was like, we need to try to get you into new balance nationals, um, in New York. And he like, he just like, again, he like believed that I could run really well. He was like, there should be a big altitude conversion. So he basically, you know, like got me into the mile there 
hadn't raced on the nationals national stage um had done only one indoor race like hadn't been on a banked track and um ended up winning and running 440 and I think that was just like people I still just like remember afterwards being interviewed and people were like had no idea who I was they were like you've never been on a bank track before you've never been to New York they were like your PR you just PR'd by 18 seconds and so I think that was a moment for me where it was like I think he had seen that from the beginning of like I don't know what what I could be capable of but like I yeah I definitely hadn't seen that and um but again I think him um his approach to training and that belief and confidence in me like influenced how I raced like I was just like okay I'm just gonna like you know stick on the person in the lead and go for it and it's like kind of having that mentality of like nothing to lose and just being excited to to surprise yourself um but I'd say that was probably when I finally got what he was saying. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's wild. Oh, oh, to, to have been able to get, you know, get this sort of initial, uh, initial kind of internal monologue when you crossed the line on that particular race, I imagine it was, it was <laughs> completely different to, to the one we were talking about earlier. That's, that's absolutely wild. And obviously indoor, I mean, you, you had an incredible indoor race uh, earlier this year, back in February as well. I mean, an in- indoor season is, well, it's, it's, there's a few things happening at the moment in the UK and it's kind of going to really kick off in the in the new year and I just think in indoor I don't know maybe I feel like it doesn't get enough love like within the kind of running media I feel like it's getting more and more kind of visible but like would you say if people are kind of thinking okay indoor maybe I, I've not done it before I maybe I'm maybe thinking about it like for you like as an athlete if you were kind of if you're going to be selling it you know if you're going to be kind of doing the 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 well it's shark tank not dragon's den but the kind <laughs> of the pitch for it for people who are considering it like why should people you know, like you did in that race, kind of stepping up for your second indoor meet and having an extraordinary kind of race. I'm not saying people are going to be running 441s for their for their first indoor, but like, why should they give it? Why should they give it a whirl? Oh my gosh, I love this question. I'm so glad you asked. I'm a huge proponent of indoor. I feel like <laughs> I'm always like wanting to do more, more indoor races. But I feel like, um, I mean, first of all, I think it just with the smaller track, I think it's a really good opportunity to work on like race tactics. Like, Mm. I don't know. I've always felt like there's just kind of less room for error. It can be more crowded. So I think that's like a huge, um, huge piece, but I think the biggest piece is I just think indoor is so fun. I, people make fun of me (laughs) when I say this, but I'm like, I feel like when you get a tight banked track and like, I, just imagine being like a race car and you're just like getting so much momentum from going around. And I just feel like it's a feeling that you, you know, don't get on the outdoor track. Um, and I think it's like an opportunity, um, yeah, to just like work on like different skills earlier in the year to like help prepare you for outdoor in a different way. But it's also like, um, you know, not exactly like you don't exactly have a direct comparison with times or things just because it is, um, different than, than an outdoor track but I don't know I think indoor I just think it's so much fun I think um yeah I think everyone should do indoor <laughs> I mean I mean that's that that's the uh the drug is that I'm in for for 20 percent 10,000 whatever like I'd say I'm full full disclaimer I've always been slightly like about indoor but I think the it's the bank track that actually makes it kind of appealing because it does feel like the, I feel the race car analogy is kind of bang on like it feels like it feels kind of wild. It feels like something out of Tron. I don't know. Like maybe that's my sort of geeky sort of sci-fi side coming out a little bit there. But like 
it does look wildly, wildly appealing. But I'm curious, so you're saying your teammates give you a little bit of stick for, for being such a fan of, of the indoors? Mostly just my race car analogy, I think. I think a lot of people, I mean, like I know some people just like don't really like the bank track and the tight turns. Um, maybe it's because I'm like a bit shorter. Like I know some of the guys that are taller on the team, it's like maybe that makes sense. They don't like going around this those tight curves, but I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like you get in such a good rhythm. Like I said, you're just like zooming around the indoor track. So <laughs> mm, now when you, when you say teammates, are we talking about Bowman here? Yes. So yes. Bowman Track Club, I mean, w w I mean, Bowman, the, the, the whole kind of legacy sort of surrounding that, like, uh, and, and the, the, the club itself has, yeah, I mean, there's a whole other podcast episode, I think, just in just in BTC. But perhaps for the the uninitiated, because I'm always conscious of people who listen to this who might not be familiar with it. Like, what is the Bowman Track Club? Like, uh, how did you become to be a member of it? Like, what's the kind of, I hate this word, but I also kind of love it. Like, what's the vibe? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so when I graduated, um, kind of going back what I said earlier I think um I was really looking for um a team environment I think that again mm. that's something that's always been something that's been really important to me and I know um you know sometimes when you go prof like when you become professional like some people um you know train on their own or sometimes there's like not a group situation so I was like really hoping that a group um situation would be um an opportunity available because um, I knew that that, that would be like a really big part of, um, me kind of being able to get the most out of myself. Um, so, um, yeah, I kind of, I would say I maybe started following Bowerman toward the end of high school, but would say really followed them, um, in college. Um, I would say most notably in 2016, um, when I'm pretty sure like every single, um, female on the team like made it to the Olympics I just remember it being like it was just mm. like every event they had people in the marathon <clears throat> um 5k steeple um maybe 10k too I don't even remember but it was like it was just like wow they were had this kind of dominating um presence at the at the U.S. Olympic trials and I think that was just really appealing to me I was like you know, they are all, um, it's clear, you know, from the outside, like they're all really elevating one another by, by training together. And that was something that really, um, excited me and, and drew me toward the group. Um, so I would say, you know, kind of going off that, that's kind of like the vibe of the group is like, um, you know, people that really all kind of have common, like a common mission to like really squeeze like the very most they can out of themselves and um, feeling like surrounding yourself by, you know, people that are better than you, people that are going to challenge you or have a different skill set um, that that's going to like allow you to do that. Um, and I'd say that's, that's really the vibe. Um, yeah. Of the group is, is like knowing like you'll show up to practice on any given day and depending on, the workout and people's skill sets it's like you're gonna have someone to um you know pull you through the longer reps and then you know you're gonna have people on the team that are um leading more on the speed days to pull you along so kind of yeah just really that like um 
that environment of like continually like elevating the bar and and being like pushed um pushed by your teammates mm. and learning from them so mm. i think it's a it's a very big like growth environment i would say for sure growth in growth environment i think that's a really that's a really good way of describing it and the word squeeze as well like i feel like when i think about the bioman track club and when i've heard other athletes talk about it or other individuals talk about it as well like particularly the workouts like some people describe them as being pretty, pretty full on, pretty, pretty kind of brutal. Like, is that sort of a fair estimation? I mean, like, uh, uh, are they, are they, do they live up to their reputation? Yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> and I think like, I think it's a thing though, where you start to realize like, yeah, like the reason that, um, like I can do this workout or even come close to, you know, executing it or finishing it is, you know, because of my teammates. Right. And like mm. how much that gives you by like switching off the lead or, you know, having your teammates encouraging you, you through it. So I think, yeah, that's a huge piece, I think, in our ability to like train, um, at the level that we can. That's interesting. Actually, I, I've, I've just joined the dots as you were articulating it then, like the sort of brutality of the workouts, cultivating that camaraderie within the team in order to kind of complete them. Oh, for sure. And I think, I mean, I think that even, um, I would say like the workouts also, I think continue to breed that camaraderie too. Cause I think sometimes <laughs> I just know sometimes I'm trying to think of of an example, but I know there's been times where we finish a workout and we're just like, that was like absolutely like <laughs> crazy. Like you just, Jerry tells you it at the beginning and you're like, what the heck? Like this feels like three different workouts in one or something. But then I think, you know, that leads to, again, the camaraderie too. Cause you're like, okay, we all were just able to do that. Um, yeah. It's almost like banding together not against Jerry, but just being like, what is going through his mind? Like that was absolutely <laughs> absurd. What did we just do? <laughs> so how does it, how does it work in terms of like, when do you do you, with Jerry? Like, um, obviously Jerry for the, for the uninitiated is, is obviously the, the man in charge. He's curating these, uh, these, uh, slightly torturous, uh, workouts for you to, to complete. I mean, how, how does it work in terms of the workouts? Do you, do you find out in advance? Do you find out when you rock up to practice? Like how, how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. We find up, we find out when we, when we walk up to practice, usually actually after the warm up. So he really leaves it until the last minute, okay. like we're all warmed up and then we're like, please Jerry, tell us the workout, <laughs> which honestly I, I think at first I wasn't used to that because we kind of found out at least an idea ahead of time um, in college of what we would be doing. So that was an adjustment. Um, but sometimes it's nice, like you're saying, you know, when you have like a crazy session, it's kind of nice to like not know the night before and like be thinking about it and just like show up and be like, I got to be ready to go, whatever, whatever it is. So in some ways it can be kind of nice mentally. <laughs> worst, worst workout you've, you've done. The one that like, you know, when you, when you found out what it was sort of filled you with dread before you did it. Oh man. Oh. You sort of erased um, it from your memory. <laughs> was yeah. That, was that traumatic? <laughs> uh, probably, I guess one of the ones I think of from last year when I feel like we were talking about it on the cool down of like what just happened. I think it's cause we had a teammate, um, Andrea who had just joined last year and I think 
something that I was like, you know, talking to her, she's like, how do you like prepare for these workouts? Like, I was just like, you honestly just have to start like imagining like the most ridiculous thing. So then like anything Jerry says, you'll just be like, oh, well, I imagine it be, like, <laughs> I see, yeah. so much worse than that. So that was kind of our ongoing joke. Like <laughs> we got to the point where it's like so ridiculous. Like I was like, yeah, we're doing like two by you know, 10 K time trial today. And she was just like, Elise, that's absurd. But, um, to that point, I think one of the workouts afterwards where she was like, that was crazy. We had done like, I think we had done a tempo on the track and then some like shorter reps, I think with like short rest. So some speed endurance and then some like, I I don't know, maybe like a 1200 or 800, or something like that at like race pace after. So it literally felt like three workouts in one. And she was like, what, what did we just do? And I was like, so that was probably one that was up there. Cause you're just like, you feel like you really have to like mentally separate it into sections and be like, all right, we're like taking on a whole new, uh, part of the workout now. <laughs> yeah. And just, you know, visualize the, the desserts and cocktails of Christmas and kind of Christmas movies, you know, sort of visualize the, uh, the good things to come when you're, you know, having a bit of R and R to get you through those, those workouts or oh, just, just hearing about it brought me out in a cold sweat and I'm, I'm definitely not going to do anything <laughs> like that. I mean, so talking, talking about teams and talking about teammates, I feel like the, the kind of ultimate team that you can kind of sort of represent is your country. And that kind of brings me on to, onto the Olympics. We kind of touched on it uh, a little bit at the start, but I mean, what was your experience of that? Because you said when we were talking about it that kind of running at that kind of level had a bit of a profound effect on you. So what was it like kind of leading in? What was the actual experience like? And I mean, it was, I think people listening to this will be familiar with how you got on at, at the Olympics, but like, yeah, what was the the actual the event like? And what was the kind of aftermath of it as well? Yeah, I was actually um, talking to my teammate, Carissa, because we both ran um, the 5k there. And I feel Mm. like we really kind of, we like roomed together, um, in the lead up to Tokyo and then in Tokyo. And, um, it is kind of a crazy thing to look back on just because I'd say the primary thing, just kind of still being in COVID, like it was just a crazy experience in terms of like running in a completely empty stadium and, Mm. and just being like, wow, what, like, yeah, like you kind of touched on this earlier, but like treating it, you know, like any other race, but also like pinching yourself and being like, oh my gosh, like we are at the Olympic Games competing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, um, yeah, I guess in the lead up, I would say probably something I would go back and and do differently um, is kind of have more concrete goals going into the race like I would say probably both Chris and I feel the same way about that I think you know the goal was to definitely um make the final but then I think it almost was hard to come up with a concrete goal in terms of like it's the first time again like running on the global stage and for me being at that at that level um so I definitely felt a bit you know in over my head but I think that's where um, you know, like I touched on earlier, it was like a huge learning experience of like, okay, you know, moving forward, you have to kind of start seeing yourself as, you know, like belonging here. And I think that we definitely, I would say for both Carissa and I, um, 
like, but I, I'll speak for myself. Like I definitely didn't race that way. You know, like I never felt like I put myself in the race or even gave me, give my, gave myself a chance, um, to, you know, like be like, you know, even in the top half of the race mm. and, um, you know, just, I don't know, I guess just like looking back even on, you know, that high school indoor mile, like, I think that's, those are the races that, um, I think have always been most successful for me of like when I just put myself in it and you're not afraid of, of what could happen, but you just give yourself like a chance and an opportunity to surprise yourself. Um, and I think that that's something that like, I really took away and, and learned from the Olympics is like, yeah, like the confidence, um, the work that you need to put in to have the confidence to, you know, see yourself, um, as competing, you know, with the best at the global stage. Um, you know, so feeling like I'm preparing in a way that I can like show up at the line and feel confident about putting myself in it instead of kind of, you know, like, yeah, I think the whole second half of the race, it was like, we kind of kept getting, um, detached. And I think that, um, you know, racing that way definitely, um, takes a toll on the mind, right? When you're like mm. it totally, when you continue to get disconnected and then reattach, it's like you kind of have that mindset during the race of like, I'm, you know, hanging on for dear life instead of like, hey, I'm like putting myself in it um, to see what I can do. And, you know, if I blow up, at least I know I like put myself in it and did everything, everything that I could. So I think that was a big mm. um, learning piece too, is like, yeah, doing the preparation to be in a spot where, um, you know, you can line up confidently and see, I guess, yeah, like see, um, I don't know, see people that you've like looked up to in the sport for a long time. Like you kind of, you know, there's kind of like a, I guess a flip, uh, like a flip of a switch that needs to happen a little bit of like, okay, these are people that I've looked up to, um, you know, and followed for a while, but now I'm like racing against them, you know? Mm. So you kind of, yeah, I guess need to shift how you see yourself in relation to those people. Um, cause now you're, you're competing against them. They're your competitors. Mm, super interesting. That I love that thing of like creating that idea of creating space so that you can have that ease in the moment so that you can do exactly what you were saying of like saying, okay, this person I have a huge amount of respect for, but right now we are, we're lining up on the same bit of tartan and we're just going to sort of see how this, how this plays out. It's just fascinating to get your, get your perspective on that kind of, I can't even begin. I can't, I will never get to imagine what that must feel like. So it's always fascinating to get elite level kind of perspective on that in terms of the other, other competitors, not particularly in that race, but like, are there, and I imagine there are, but like outside of maybe your teammates at BTC, like are there, are there any sort of female runners out there that you really kind of draw inspiration from who you're kind of constantly being inspired or surprised by and on the kind of competitive side of things? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, I don't know, I guess not really like any one particular person. Um, but I think I, I am just like very inspired by, um, you know, races or situations where like, again, people like really put themselves in it and give themselves an opportunity to surprise themselves. Like, I think that happens, um, so much in this sport. And I just am like always really inspired by, by those performances of, um, I don't know. I think I come back to that a lot of, um, you know, I think when you line up and, um, 
you know, people like list off um, the stats of like competitors or the PRs. Um, But I think I've always like loved that about competing is like, um, you know, you line up and you have, you know, just as good a chance as anyone else to um, place, you know, anywhere in the race. Like that's why, you know, that's why we compete. That's why we have the race. Um, cause it's not decided before it's not decided based on, you know, PRs or like past accomplishments. And I think, um, just like watching races or watching people compete in a way where, yeah, they have, they have nothing to lose. I think that's something that, that really inspires me. So yeah, not really any one person. I guess I didn't directly answer your question, but I think any kind of performances like that, honestly, in any event in track and field are, is, Mm. is something that's really like motivating. Mm, It's always, I mean, like, again, just linking back to before we hit record on this, uh, they were showing some, um, uh, some footage on this sports personality of the year. And Jake Whiteman is, is nominated over here in the, in the UK. And, it's that moment of surprise that came across his face when he crossed the line of 1500 meters and not to just single out Jake and Jake's performance was obviously incredible. Jake, if you're listening, come on the show. Um, but like <laughs> that, it's that moment of surprise. I think it's when an athlete is genuinely, you can see it on their face of like, uh, you know, obviously they do want to win, but like when that dream becomes a reality, that's always like, it's always magnetic to watch as a spectator, let alone to sort of draw inspiration from, as an athlete and i'm i'm conscious as well i've i've been asking you a lot of sort of reflective questions and i'm also conscious you're on another podcast recently where we uh, i found out that you quite like to ask questions yourself and i'm i'm not going to turn this into you interviewing me because i don't want to sort of you know massacre my listen listenership because they don't want to hear what my responses would be but I'm I don't cu- know. They might. You uh, might. They might just have never had the opportunity to. They don't know what they're missing. I no. They they do know what they're missing, and it'll be incredibly <laughs> incredibly boring. I don't want to send people to sleep that that because uh, this comes out early on a early in the morning on Christmas Eve, and I don't want to sort of send people to sleep before kind of ten a.m. when there's lots of you know lots of food and, and drink to be to be had. But I'm I'm curious for you in terms of questions as an athlete. What questions do you want to ask of yourself next year in 2023? Oh man, that is, I really like that question. That's a big, big, question. big expansive question. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see, I guess first to your, to your point of, um, on Jake Whiteman's race though, mm. that is like, I literally get chills still thinking about that race. And like when I was, um, you know, when I'm talking about kind of, I'm just glad you brought that up because like when, you know, I'm talking about performances that are inspiring, I think that's one that definitely comes to mind recently because I just think, um, yeah, again, it's like you have like a really heavy, heavy, heavy favorite and I just love the way that he like raced that and didn't let, Mm. um, you know, there being such a heavy, heavy favorite dictate his ability to like put himself in it and, and go for a goal. But anyways... That was just a, a quick side note because no, quite inspired by that race. But Love that. Um, man, what questions am I asking myself in 2023? Um, oh, man, I guess the biggest um, question, this is kind of more on like, I guess, a day to day scale is like, again, we kind of touch on this, but I think I kind of have, I mean, I think as a lot of um runners do like um 
a tendency to um, overdo things or like, especially, you know, as we were touching on earlier, kind of um, making maybe um, emotional decisions after a race or, you know, decisions out of a place of like, you know, fear instead of um, like confidence or, or trusting. Um, and so I think, you know, something that I really want to focus on is like trusting, um, trusting myself this year. I think trusting, mm-hmm. you know, what I've learned um, works best for me and doesn't work best for me. Um, so I think, I guess, asking my question, myself the question on a more day-to-day basis of like, um, I guess, what is the motivation behind what you're doing, you know? So like, <laughs> are you, I don't know, are you adding um, mileage because that is what you, you know, feel like is actually best for you? Or are you making that decision kind of out of a place of like fear or, um, you know, kind of having too tight of a grip on, on an outcome? So I guess, yeah, I don't really have a specific question, but kind of more back to like, we were talking about just really finding, um, kind of like that joy, like how do I kind of keep cultivating that joy and, um, making decisions that are best for kind of my long-term, um, approach to the sport, you know, as I liked what you were saying earlier as well about, um, kind of looking at it more as like your whole career. I think, um, I think a lot of runners, it's really easy to get so narrowly focused on like, yeah, one race or one goal, but trying to kind of zooming out and taking like a larger, um, I guess a larger lens and kind of having that perspective of like, um, I don't know. Yeah. Joy and not kind of putting too much on any, any one race or any one workout, but just, um, keeping perspective. I love that. Love that response. And I, I'm so grateful to you for, for rolling with what is quite an expansive, uh, expansive question. I, I love that. And I suppose, uh, I am going to answer that question as if you posed it to me, but kind of. I was take... just going to say, can I at least ask you that question at the very least? <laughs> well, I think taking taking inspiration for you, I think from from you and kind of what you were saying earlier about when you first got into running. I think for me, twenty twenty three, the question that I'm I'm going to ask myself more often is, are, are you running for ice cream? I think are, are you running for the joy of it? I think, and you I sort love of... that. I think that 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 thing you said of of cultivating joy, I think, is imperative for longevity and enjoyment for all runners at all levels, from the top tier people who are looking towards Paris, for people who are just want to get back to their local kind of couch to five k or park run or, or whatever it is. I think cultivate that joy, and then everything else kind of falls into place and that feels like a a really lovely note to to end this conversation on thank you so much for your the generosity of your time for joining me on christmas eve slash not quite christmas eve (laughs) um uh, for being such a a fantastic guest uh, uh, yeah brilliant brilliant guest on the big run thank you so much well thank you so much for for having me and yeah i've loved loved being on the podcast and chatting with you on Christmas Eve, not Christmas Eve, Christmas, Christmas holiday spirit time. So thank you for having me. A big thank you to Elise for taking the time to join me. I was never going to make her do it on Christmas Eve. That would have been awful. Imagine, imagine recording a podcast on Christmas Eve. How inhumane or Christmas Day even. 
I hope you go and enjoy your park runs if you're heading out there in the UK or if you're going out just grabbing some miles over the festive season. I hope they go well. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Big Run. Join the Discord as well. I'll pop a fresh link in today's show notes. Help suggest guests shape the future of the show. And I'll see you next week for New Year's Eve for the next episode of The Big Run. Thanks for listening.